Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to tonight's podcast. Let's uh, get started. to tonight's podcast the topic of tonight is critical failures moving your stories forward through failure or driving your stories forward through the failure uh we're joined by some wonderful star guests um we got josh perry yeah uh who is here with uh lanehero.net right that's absolutely right and then we got michael paxton who is here with you're gonna have to pronounce your company because i had I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> yeah no problem it's uh sentiment Sentiment. Okay, I was right. That was good. I don't feel so dumb now. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to obviously introduce these two, let them talk about themselves for a couple minutes, and then we'll get into today's topic. So, uh, we're going to start, <clears throat> excuse me, with Josh, just because he's on our farthest left on the on the video here. Sure. Glad to go first. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. And, you know, I, I founded Lane Hero as a way to help drivers understand their cost in the vehicle they're driving as our economy kind of goes down and stuff. Um, you know, we've got to be a lot more budget conscious and, and really be aware of what, where we're spending money and a lot of businesses and a lot of even individuals spend a lot of money on, on transportation costs, whether it's them or transporting goods or whatever. And so what lane hero allows you to do is, uh, talk to your phone and know how much a trip's going to cost in any vehicle that you drive. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we are really focused on helping truck drivers more than anything who are the ones that transport all the goods that allow us to, to live in the, uh, the, the biggest economy ever to exist in the world here in the United States. So, and, and enjoy the freedoms that we do. So, um, just passionate about helping people and, uh, as per our topic, I've failed a lot of times to get here today. So, uh, thought I might share some of that. So again, thanks for having me on. Of course. All right. <clears throat> well, that's super awesome. Uh, to say the least, like who doesn't need a little bit of help making sure they're, they're spending the right money when they're taking a trip, especially a long distance one. <clears throat> yep. Jumping over to Michael. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy that you went first too, Josh. Takes the uh, takes the edge off. So thanks for that. Um, so uh, so we started uh, sentiment. Actually, um, what sentiment is is uh, we're trying to build better uh, artificial intelligence integrations for uh, businesses at like a super low price, uh, make it just super easily uh, accessible to the world. Um, you know, basically the idea is that. Uh, uh, building better AI integrations shouldn't cost you or your business a fortune and shouldn't take more than just a few minutes to to connect up with uh, the AI that you need. Um, so we hope 
that using sentiment, you'd be able to realize a better, faster, more direct, and maybe even a more reliable AI experience than what you're used to. Um, we do offer a free forever plan, um, but essentially the idea started where um, I was writing an email actually to my daughter's teacher. And I was like, man, I, I think I sound like a jerk in this email. And I uh, put it through chat GPT and it was just kind of, kind of cumbersome to use it wasn't giving me the results that i actually wanted um, to ultimately help me rewrite my email and provide me you know what does my text actually sound like to the person on the other end um, that's where the idea of sentiment came i ended up building uh, 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 our own sort of model and um, working with it to you know fine tune those those tones detection instead of uh, uh, inside of emails and other texts, then rewriting it to how I actually wanted it to sound. And it kind of morphed into audio where you can, you know, upload audio or uh, one thing I'm working on right now is um, live streaming audio to it to, you know, get the real-time sentiment of whatever's being talked about in uh, maybe like a phone call or something. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we, we aim to, to fix is that cumbersome feels like it's not super accessible. Well, holy cow! That that seems like a lot to be honest, which is super cool. We're uh, we're super pro AI over here. At least I am. Gosh, like I use it for just about anything I can. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, quite a few products. Just uh, uh, it all relates around that that initial sentiment. Well, as we uh, we discussed week before last, uh, tone tone detection is is super important when doing uh, basically anything. <clears throat> um. Just as a other note for people that are listening and not watching, we're also joined with uh, the other owner, uh, Younger. He's going by Rye Guy tonight because he has a great nickname, and I'm hilarious. Uh, and, <laughs> and then, as per usual, we have Lawrence. For the people watching, he's Oat. Uh, you guys can giggle about the bread nicknames later. Uh, it's something from the D&D campaign. All right, so with that being said, speaking of D&D and rolling and all that fun stuff, we, we want to talk about the, the term critical fail, right? Um, generally, when we have a critical fail in our games and whatnot while we're playing, uh, it's due to rolled dice. And uh, just just to be misleading, this uh, conversation we're about to have is not going to be strictly about rolling dice. It could be character development with their backgrounds. It could be as they're just narrative profiling going through things. Uh, and something that we've covered a few times on the show is talking about like how failure is necessary for personal growth, both in the real world, uh, and in the game world for your characters that you're building and things like that. Um, and sometimes it happens in real time, sometimes it happens in cutscenes, and sometimes it happens before they even hit the table. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce back uh, to our two guests and kind of let them share some personal antidotes uh, and personal stories about personal failures they went through and then jumping through to where they're at now or like some successes or things they learned from them. Uh, again, we're going to start with Josh and see where he's at. Yeah, well, and it's funny how you talk about um, fail failure is actually a prerequisite to success. And I think a lot of people miss that in their path. They, you know, we always want to like keep that goal in mind and, and have faith that we can achieve it. But, but it's very difficult sometimes to look at, uh, look in this dark seedy shadows of our lives that we have to encounter in order to achieve those uh, uh, giant successful goals, right? And so, um, 
you know, one of the things that I have, even before I was involved with Lane Hero, I was in the, the window industry for a long time. And, and, and it's a contractor's game a lot of times, and you're not necessarily a W-2 employee. And I had a guy who he didn't pay me $28,612 of commission that he owed me that, that really hurt me. And at that time I was, you know, very angry about it and all this other stuff. But, but looking back many years later, I actually found the guy in a bar one night. This is when I was still drinking and, and, and made sure to buy him a shot and thank him for doing that for me because what it ended up meaning for me and my personal journey as an entrepreneur is I learned something about myself uh, that I could bounce back from a financial hit like that and keep going. And, and so you get to a point with failure where you say to yourself, how bad is this really? Like, are they going to take away my birthday? You know what I mean? Like, like what exactly do you have even left to lose at a certain point? And that really makes you look inwardly to say, how, how am I going to let this either make me better or make me bitter? And that's the real choice that we have to, you know, ask ourselves about failure at the end of the day is, am I going to use this as the fuel to drive the rocket further up the hockey stick of traction? Or am I going to, is it all going to blow up in my face? And I'm just going to, even at that point, like, what do you do from there? Do you just, you know, coast through the rest of your life? Or do you, you know, you get to self-deprecation because you're not achieving your fullest potential as a human. So Look, all, all I can say is you're a better man than I, that is, uh, that'd be that'd be a time in jail for me. Uh. <laughs> well, and I did. I, it, here's what's funny is I physically chased the guy around his own business, trying to kick his ass, and he was just faster than I was because he had uh, gotten out about uh, gotten out of the army about six or seven years before that, and I was uh, uh, driving seventy to eighty thousand miles a year, selling windows on the road for him. And so my lack of physical condition and his, uh, you know, better physique was all that saved him from getting his ass beat, basically. But yeah, screw uh, that army, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I, I was pretty mad, you know. So, but, but I, instead of letting that anger um, consume me, or, or you know, they say that anger, if you hold on to it, it just burns the you, right? Because you're holding on to it. I let it propel me. And I really, especially when I've seen him in that bar many years later, um, you know, <laughs> I forcefully bought him the shot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and, and, and I was very vocal about why I was doing it. And it felt really good to say um, that, that it didn't matter the amount of money that, that I had to take a hit from. Because you got to understand, I come from very humble beginnings. And about three years before that fact, I had the most money I'd ever made in my life was $18,000 in a year. And, and so to go have that big of a jump and then lose almost $30,000 was um, just, you know, a really big ebb and flow in my financial life. <laughs> no joke. But you got to ask yourself, what is that? What does that make you on the other side of it? And now, I have to make decisions in, in very high numbers for, especially for some of the events that I do and, and some of the things with Lane Hero as a whole, because we're looking at releasing in 50 countries over the next two years. And, and some of those 
you know, you get into a couple commas and, and if I didn't have that experience of dealing with comma losses, I wouldn't be equipped necessarily to handle the emotional charge of, of talking about having 50,000 users in 50 countries per country. That's still wild. So, I do. I do got to bring up a quote because you kind of you kind of touched on it, and I, and I really liked it. But one of our one of our other blocker friends gave us a suggestion to bring up uh, that fail is can be an acronym for first attempt in learning, right? Um, yep. And I I really think that's a, a solid thing to apply to your characters, right? Uh, and trans trans gently uh, when they are in their building stages, whether that's low levels or pre combat. Uh, having failures built into what they're doing so they can grow and expand as a character is excessively important, right? The first time you fail as a character, you will never not do that again. Uh, or we'll never do that again, whatever, however you say it. Uh, whether that's... Well, I'm listening. Fail, fail, learn, grow. Fail, learn, grow. Fail, learn, grow. Fail, learn, grow. Over and over and over and over and over. And you get to a point with failure where you almost start to run towards it in a way, not that that's your goal, but if you see it coming, you barrel head first into it to, to take it on and wrestle the bear, so to speak. Um, and, and, and I've had that in hiring employees and stuff when employees don't perform and you have to, you know, make decisions to let people go and stuff like that. Those are, um, a failure just coming to a head. And you can either be emotionally attached to that or you can be direct about it. And it's really better for everybody that way. And it's better for the business as a whole, the earlier it's addressed, because at the end of the day, even a CEO is just a steward to the business. That's a, that's a solid way to think about it, to say the least. Uh, Mr. Paxton, I'm, I'm going to shift over to you really quick and see if you what you got for us. What's, what's, you got a personal antidote for us. Yeah, well... Uh... Uh, just touch on something real quick. What Josh just said is the CEO is really just a steward of the business. I think that's super relevant inside of uh, uh, failure. Um, and the reason why is I feel like we become so, uh, you know, people in general become so emotionally attached to this, this baby that they've created that they're afraid to fail um, because it means maybe it's a pride hit or maybe, it, you know, uh, so that's a huge point right there. It's just I felt needed a little expansion, but um, uh, so failure. Well, I uh, we start we, we were on season three of the blocks, and we came on season three uh, with our startup is uh, Mike and Mike, and we came on with our startup pedal, which was uh, on-demand delivery for anything focused on giftings that's like flowers or chocolate or we wanted to get into wine and spirits but uh, never figure it out um and you know when we first started uh, i was pretty immature in uh entrepreneurship that was only my second go around and the first one wasn't even real if i had to be honest just a computer repair company i was repairing people's you know tvs and stuff but uh it's this this is what I felt was, you know, the first real one that was going to be big, you know, and I became uh, super passionate about the project. Uh, 
and here's lots of mistakes along the road. It took me a year to get an MVP out. That's way too long. Um, we were chasing after investors in the beginning before we had even released an MVP. That's another uh, another catch. We were doing things all weird and wonky. And so we finally launched, and we got uh, we had some uh, florists on board, and we had a chocolate. Uh, they make like specialty chocolates. Um, I forget what it's called. It's a big national chain. Uh, but anyways, we had all these, all these, uh, these partners. We had people uh, interested in using the product, and uh, we went and we hired drivers and all this stuff. And uh, before we started talking, Josh kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, he had said, you know, he kept uh, spending money and and stuff on this on this business. And that's how it felt for us. Uh, it, was, it was three of us, but we just kept spending our own personal money, and it felt like it was just this giant sinkhole every month. We just kept putting more and more and more and more into it, uh, whether it was into marketing or uh, maybe not rebranding and stuff, but it was uh, it was always something, you know. We, we all had to travel to uh, uh, Missouri, to Kansas City for the blocks. We lots of expenses, and eventually, ultimately, that uh, led to... Uh, the dismissal of our employees. Um, we went to. We wanted to go to the DoorDash model, which is independent contractors. In case anyone's unfamiliar, where you do the job and then you're paid a couple of bucks for your time, and uh, but you're not on the hook for any sort of hourly pay. Where we differed is we were doing hourly pay. Well, after we did the contractor model, it's kind of hard to keep people around when you're a brand new company because uh, you know they want to make money, right? And they're not going to be available to you when you're not giving them 100 orders a day or whatever it is they're looking for. You know, they might get uh, 10 or 15, but that's that's not enough, you know? Not at $3 an order. Right, right, right. And so ultimately, you know, between the just the, the what felt like hemorrhaging money between the, uh, uh, the independent contractor model and all these things that ultimately uh, led to us um, failing. And I don't think, I think that there was lots of areas that we could have improved on. And uh, it took me actually a really long time. One thing people don't talk about is in entrepreneurship is what I call uh, founder depression. So when you experience a fail, I went through a period of time, probably three months after we closed the business where I was completely unmotivated. I went back to work, um, just completely beaten like a like a dog or something, you know, I was beat down and not wanting to do anything ever again. And that is where uh, you got to really, I mean, it was a lot of work to get myself out of that slump, but, um, uh, you know, perseverance and then lots of ideas clicking. I've got other side projects that I like doing too. I'm a freelancer, so I'm on Fiverr. I do other side work for, for uh, businesses that I'm uh, referred to. You know, I, I build tech stuff, like anything software is, is my thing. Um, and so after doing that, I kind of got back my bearings and the ideas started coming back, just like with Pedal, you know, where the ideas start to, your ideas start going. And then you just jump head first again. 
that's where sentiment came from. Now, now, you know, we released our first version of sentiment in six days and it was ready to go. Right. Um, and so learning from that failure to go back onto the, uh, uh, what was the acronym again for fail? Something, 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 uh, something. First attempt in learning. Yeah, exactly. So learning from that that failure, taking all those things after you fail, deconstructing them, figuring out, you know, really perform an autopsy on that thing and figure out what exactly happened will only improve you in the future. Do I, you know, sentiment, super passionate about, and it's super cool. However... If it were to fail, I would learn a ton from the from the experience and be able to take it on to help my community and other people in another way in the future. So um, understanding that founder depression is real, learning from your mistakes, taking a couple of months to really perform an autopsy and coming back out head first, I think that's how you win. Yeah, that's, that's highly motivating and very encouraging to hear, to say the least. But I think... From a, a, a gameplay standpoint, we're going to throw this back at uh, playing games. Uh, yeah. I think it's okay to have your characters be sad after a failure, right? Um, though I know for the most part in a lot of our role-playing games and whatnot, uh, you kind of just yada yada past the sad parts. Um, you get the, they spent three months on the couch and then stood back up and picked up their sword and so on and so forth. It's okay to have those moments. Uh, and I think it is beneficial for the players at the table to to live through that at least just a little. Uh, don't go. Uh, what's what's uh, Saints Row? The new Saints Row had a section where they're really sad about stuff. Don't go in that depth. If you played the game, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it doesn't have to be like that. Yada yadas are okay, uh, but letting narratively know or show uh, that there is sadness and failure, uh, but that you can come back. That there's redemption, just just like you were talking about. Uh, can be highly motivating to not only the character that it affects primarily, uh, but any of the other characters that are attached to the party or things like that. Um, and having, we'll say, fake stories that are similar to that for building your characters uh, are going to make them more compelling uh, and have that push in dire situations, right? Because they went through something traumatic uh, and upsetting, and they're going to step forward and, and keep on pushing, right? Yeah, I mean it's in every every RPG. I definitely understand what you're where you're going. <laughs> I believe that the comeback is the greatest story ever told in any culture across human history. And that's a really a core tenet that I stand on for a lot of things. And um you know, you hit the nail on the head, man, that it's like <clears throat> you got to know <laughs> At the end of the day, you really got to know it's kind of like getting punched in the face or being in a fight. Until you've been in a fight, you don't really know what is going to come on the other side of that. But once you've been punched in the face, you know that's what you're, you need to expect if you want to go pick a fight, right? And, and as entrepreneurs, to, to Michael's point, it's like we're out here picking a fight with the world every day in a way and, and pushing our ideas out into the world. Uh, you can't step into the ring and not expect to get punched in the face. Yeah, I mean that's 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 how it is, right, younger? Give me a, give me a thumbs up over there. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely <laughs> one of the, like a lot of times it feels like a like a money suckle, you know, just giant 
giant drain. But like you said, like you just got to keep on pushing, persevering, making the small choices, deciding what you're going to, what you're going to cut, what, what you, what you got to keep, you know, where to put your efforts. Cause it's not just money at some point. Sometimes it's also time, you know, sometimes certain, certain things don't work out. And sometimes those failures end up pointing you in a, newish direction in order to get things rolling in a particular manner it might end up being something that's not exactly the way you originally intended when it's all said and done after it's tested and affected you know yep so as a uh as a segue right because you talked about fighting and it, it wouldn't be a ttrpg if we didn't talk about uh war game stuff uh actual critical failures right um in your combat, when you roll those zeros, right? As a DM or GM, this is an opportunity for you to not necessarily punish your players um, with death, right? Um, but having them do something traumatic to their character or another character uh, is going to be way more impactful on the stories and situations as they unfold. Um, and it doesn't always have to be in combat, right? So, like, we don't necessarily give critical failures for skill checks. Um, but when you roll a one, expect bad things to happen kind of thing. Um, or just when you fail a check, whatever. Um, having an effect, not the person who is doing the check, but someone else around them and seeing them suffer the penalties uh, can really, really uh, make them realign with what they're doing. Um, you know, so Whether in a negative or positive fashion, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Well, and, and, and like, uh, so let's say I'm going to give two examples, right? So out of combat, let's say you're running around uh, going through a dungeon and you miss a trap, right? You totally just step on it. It doesn't hit you. It hits, you know, the healer in the back who's just chilling and almost kills them, right? Or does kill them. Let's say worst case scenario, you get your, your friend's uh, uh, character killed because they failed their saves or whatever, right? Um, they are never not going to check trap for traps when they enter a room ever again and as a dm maybe that's what you want to do maybe it's not what you want to do but i guarantee if that was the cause and effect that's going to be the outcome uh mm -hmm. you know in combat uh critical fail you have their weapon break they're gonna have a second weapon on them from then on out so they don't have to fight with their fist kind of thing i mean jumping down to lawrence if that happened to you well, would you agree with that or no top off his hands oh <laughs> well um as having one of my characters hands explode uh and uh <laughs> sacrifice himself for no reason um these are all great things um I'm out. They, no reason you saved our lives well that's true um <laughs> uh yeah uh giving an adventurer ptsd for traps uh totally would definitely happen <laughs> like if i was um, and some kind of archaeologist and me and my group were going through and uh, I accidentally spike trapped somebody, I'd have PTSD about it for the rest of my life. I'd be like, well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> these are these are great. Um, it helps character development and realistically people fail. Um, you know, not, it's not, even in a fantasy setting, it, there should be a little bit of realism. Like, um, not everyone gets everything they want without trying, and sometimes you fail when you try. Okay, so this is going to be an open question to the business business people. Uh, it would be nice if everything we did went smoothly, but it would be kind of boring, right? Would you? I think Alan Watts says it best mm -hmm. in that 
if if you were able to dream any dream that you wanted to and do anything you wanted to when you fell asleep at night, you would start out getting all the things that you wanted, right? Material and money and and a hot girl or whatever else is on the table, right? And then you would you would slowly get so bored that you would need to add in levels of difficulty and you would add in different things in your life that made different things interesting until you landed here now and exactly what you're doing. Yeah. It's like playing a game on easy mode versus extreme. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, you know, variety is the spice of life and, and without it would be a very vanilla, uh, Logan's run, uh, existence, that, <laughs> you know, to kind of, tell my age a little bit, I guess, and, and my references, um, that, that not much value could be had. And, and the, I, I absolutely love the mixing of, especially different cultures from around the world that, that are able to provide value to each other and, and keep that variety because, you know, and it, and it'll make you the right friends too. In a lot of cases, I, I met with some business people today and, and and I wish them a happy Eid. And a lot of people who aren't, you know, Hindi or Muslim don't really know what Eid is, right? But but being a big hick talking white guy from Arkansas that knows Eid, uh, you know, kind of kind of tells these people who that's their culture a little something about me and what I understand about cultures across the world and brings a connection that um would otherwise be missed but i didn't learn any of that from like going to college i'm a two-time college dropout i learned from working the breakfast table at the hotel and talking to my homie who owned the hotel and his aunts and stuff who cleaned all the rooms that all spoke hindi um so and becoming friends with them at that point at a very <laughs> desperate financial point in my life but now those same things are the things that are putting me in room with multi-million dollar investors. Which is fantastic. Now to, to kind of tap on one of those excellent points you just made. Um, we talked, uh, going back to the, the dream, any dream thing, right? Uh, as mm -hmm. GMs, DMs and so on, sometimes you have to throw failure into your stories and make it to where it is unavoidable in some stance right because we go back to if you have no challenges it's really boring now you might be playing with a group that enjoys succeeding and always winning but just because you win doesn't mean there wasn't difficulty or hardship in it um and there wasn't necessarily failure sorry failure does not necessarily mean defeat um in every scenario right you can still fail and win at the same time uh, or you can still succeed and still fail correct yeah however you want to put it um, yeah, you could do everything right, and bad things are still going to happen. Go ahead, Gagger, sorry. Maybe. Soldier out there, you know, you could have used all your ammunition and fought until your body went into, like, ultra fatigue mode. You could like, taken whatever. Gagger, your, uh, your internet's acting up again there, friendo. <laughs> We missed about every other word. Yeah. Oh, my bad. So basically, like, you, like if you're put up against unsurmountable odds, it really doesn't matter how good you are at some point. 
like you could you could be the best guy out there if like even if the weather's great and everything like eventually things can just wear you down like the water in stone uh, did you hear uh, that uh, sort of kind of i think uh, we missed everything but the end there i don't know, I don't know what's going on with your mic but you yeah, you did get a couple words and you cut off um <clears throat> So, I have, a, I have a story from one of our games that we played well, forever ago, um, and it was a, a, a city in defeat, right? So there was this big walled city that the heroes came into, uh, and they'd been winning a lot. You know, nothing had stood in their way, uh, large groups of enemies were nothing, you know, they fought hundreds of people at times and, and won, right? With minimal damage or hurt or yada yada. So they go into the city thinking they're going to liberate it from an army of, like, 10,000 or something ridiculous. And they get inside the walls, and the walls have a couple hundred people, so it's not like they're completely indefensible. They got good defenses, they've been holding out for a long time. Um, and the heroes go around the city and, like, defend things where stuff starts breaking and stuff like that, and they win every single one of their fights. But eventually, they can't be everywhere at once, uh, and the walls break, right? And they gotta save as many civilians as they can, they use all the magic that they have to get as many people out, and the city still ends up being destroyed. Right, um, and it was a it was a taste of failure. Probably the younger you would say that was probably like the first time the group ever failed, right? Because it was like we were level tens or something silly, where like there was a legitimate loss on our end, even though they you know crushed what they were doing. Uh, sometimes it's not all dependent on oneself. Uh, in the stories, you know what I mean. Uh, like Inger said, you can you can be against you can be the best there is, and sometimes insurmountable yeah, odds we... are insurmountable odds. We defended, like, our section of the wall phenomenally, but, like, the rest of the city on three fronts, you know, just got obliterated, and then it was like, okay, well, sadly, we don't have the means of being able to, uh, you know, stop them from slaughtering everyone. Like, we did everything we could with what we had, and we, like, in... in He was on a really good, good roll that time. He was on a roll, yeah. Uh, he was on a roll, man. Okay, uh, he'll get back here eventually. <laughs> I'm here. Okay, you just keep cutting off, like, right at the precipice of all your points. It's really, you're being right. a tease tonight, friend. Uh, <laughs> you got, like, I'm ten, sorry. You got ten seconds I'm out in the like middle time. of the boonies at the moment. I'm not at my house. Uh, um, and so... Stop running out of the go. But basically, like, yeah, it was like all, all three sides got swarmed, you know, you, you def we defended what we could to the best of our ability, used all of our spell slots and everything. But at the end of the day, it's like, OK, we're all out of spell slots, like a bunch of like we've used all of our special actions and everything. But at the end of the day, there's 2000 other soldiers and eventually those uh, D4s from arrows or whatever are going to stack up and uh hurt us in the long run so it's like we'll just take who we can where we can break a line through and leave because the city is lost it's burnt behind us while we're still in it <clears throat> and that's a that's a that's a fun story to run in its own way right because it can present but interesting I, I would like to hit on a another note and it's like sure. it's not necessarily critical failures but i think it's also like a, a good story development for players um, with failures, especially if you're playing experienced players, they're a lot more comfortable with this. Um, at least from my experience, like I enjoy playing a character, like even if I, as a player know that something's stupid, like I'm currently playing a stupid character and 
in another campaign currently. It's like, okay, well, my character is stupid, and so I will I will intentionally make my character make stupid decisions because they are stupid. They have a nine intelligence. They're dumber than average and easily manipulated, you know? And so when somebody says that, oh, there's uh, there's fellows of your species, like a miniature version, because I'm playing a, basically a drider, is like, oh, yeah, there's like, miniature like there's like spiders or like mini, mini driders inside of this box and it's a box full of bees and then i release the bees and i would consider that even though it's not a quote-unquote critical failure i would consider it a a failure now my character doesn't open strange boxes that make buzzing sounds otherwise <laughs> i totally get that and in, in the this other campaign i'm playing in i also play a stupid character and uh, the dm used this classic trap the trap where you do nothing, you just let the time count all the way down, and then the room opens up and you leave. The panic trap. Like, uh, as, as a player, I knew what the trap was, but my barbarian also has a nine intelligence. So instead of being like, hmm, being meta and figuring it out, I just let him panic, and I added to the hysteria while everyone else was panicking. And they kept pressing the the device over and over again, and resetting the trap over and over again. Uh, it was great. <laughs> so, as a as a narrative tool for people that are listening, uh, as a player, lean in, lean into failures. Right, they they're gonna happen sometimes, and sometimes they can make really good stories. Uh, they can also make great laughable moments. You know what I mean? As as a, more in the combat style, as a GM or DM, you can do funny things on failures. You know, have people trip, fall, slip over their own blood, whatever. You know. Things like that, especially to enemies. If you watch enemies fail, hilarious. Uh, you watch your halfling fall three times in a row, also hilarious. Um, you know, whatever. Just throw it in there for the funsies. Now, to open back up to a previous point and back to our everyone in the room, basically. Can you think of an example in your current life slash in the past where, like, you've done that? Where it's been a uh, everything you did was right and you just it came to an end and you couldn't stop it? Oh, yeah. I guess I got one. Go ahead. I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, um, so basically, I, I was in the military, right? And I was one of those super hua guys in the army who just wanted to do everything he could to be the best he could be at that moment in time. I was young, proud, you know, everything else. Um, and I just pushed my body. I just pushed it, and I pushed it, and I pushed it until it just popped. <laughs> Literally. And so, like now, now I got like some some like medical issues. It's like I, and even though like I had failed in those instances, like I dislocated my shoulder and stuff. Like I didn't go to the hospital immediately, and then I did like a twelve mile ruck march, and I completed like my grenade qualification and my um like buddy team live fire and stuff. Like I just like my shoulder just popped back in place, but that was the first time I'd ever dislocated my shoulder, and. If, if you dislocate it all the way, you know, you would know that that's probably going to be the most painful one. Um, yeah. and stuff. And so it was like, yeah, I, I, what I was doing in my head, like I'm in my head, I was like, Oh, you know, like this, like, like, Oh yeah, the muscles and stuff, they hurt, but like the pain is gain, you know, like no pain, no gain or whatever. And like, I just didn't realize that I had like pushed myself to that point where it was like, my body couldn't keep up with my mental state, you know? And then it just, and now I got some lifelong issues. And it's like, you still got to move forward. Like, life doesn't stop. <laughs> but it's like, 
I, I could have done some things better, but I, I didn't know any better at the time either. Like, I didn't know that, like, I could physically, like, tear my muscles by just working out so hard, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. As, a, as, a, as a side note on that topic, uh, that's 100% a way you can uh, have a character kind of fade out of a story in a, in a positive manner. You know I mean, they go into combat on the regular, you know, they get old, things hurt, things break, healing magic only does so much. You need a new character. That's a good excuse. My, I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm going home. Retirement. Uh, <laughs> but back, back to you guys. Um, you guys have any interesting antidotes or stories for us? Yeah, well, I mean, so I had a failure with, with Lane Hero, um, as I was talking about before, board the show and everything mm -hmm. i i actually launched lane hero with completely different branding last summer and i had 80 people downloaded over two weeks and at the, over the preceding two weeks i had 60 people undownload it and and i had to be left wondering what i had spent all this money on and you know all this other stuff and kind of going back to my earlier point i what i ended up having to do was run towards that failure and literally ask these people, why did they download it? And then I was faced with the horrible reality that that they they hated my branding and they thought I was making fun of the trucking industry and because uh, I had a caricature of a truck driver, right? And it was really a caricature made after my dad who's drove for 45 years and it was kind of poking fun at him a little bit and he thought it was hilarious and I thought it was hilarious, but it didn't ring true with the audience and the market as a whole. And, and I had to face that fact that, um, that these people hated my branding, but I also had to go back even after looking at that failure of, Oh my God, I don't think this is going to work and I'll lose all this money. I just spent a year and a half that I spent in development, which again is too long to Michael's point, but, uh, um, it ended up being that I just had to ask the right question. And so I started asking them basically, look, I don't care if you guys hate me, but did the tech work and, and the tech actually did work and it does work and it's very beneficial. It just had to be presented in the correct manner to make trucking cool again versus make, make fun. Right. And it'd be a fun little anecdote for me in my immediate circle. But running towards that failure was a key part of that process and looking at it and getting Lane Hero to where it is today, which if you go to lanehero.net, you'll see our branding is uh, uh, pretty gorgeous. We have a very talented illustrator that hand drew all that stuff, um, especially for us and, and has really uh, set a much higher bar for our company because of that failure in, in effect as well. Can confirm, does look nice. Thanks. And, uh, I mean, not to. Not I have to a good example of, of doing everything right and things still going wrong. Okay, go ahead. Um, in the for for the sake of uh, that's the season of natural disasters. Um, you know, like if, if a tornado comes by and you go and you hide in your basement, um, and your house gets blown away. You know, like you, you, you really didn't do anything wrong. You were just like in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, where your house was. Look, looking at you, Lawrence, tornado man. 
Yeah. Hmm. And uh, so, like, that that's something. Or, like, I, I grew up on a farm, and we had incidents where, um, like, feral dogs and stuff. Like, I remember coming home one day, you know, and, like, my dad was at work, and my mom was out shopping or something. I came home from school, and then, like, we had, like, 30-plus sheep that had just been massacred by some feral dogs. It was like we had high fences, we had barbed wire, you know, around it. It's just like if if there's a will, there's a way, and the dogs really wanted to be there. We were able to save like two sheep that you know, like just in time. Like we got home like as they were about to get mauled to death. Um, it was super tragic, and like we like nothing. We didn't do anything wrong. It was just one of those things where it was like it just. It was like nobody was home at that exact moment in time, you know, but like you don't exactly plan on, you know, your neighbor having not fed their dogs for a week or whatever. And they broke out of their kennel, you know, and killed all of your sheep. That's, that's rough. That brings up uh, a good, again, draw draw to your like big bag of evil guys and whatnot. They have their own wills and desires and have their own things that affect them, right? It's not all what your party does to them. All the time, necessarily. Um, sometimes they're just doing their thing to do their thing. I mean, they could just be that pack of hungry dogs, because uh, that's 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 what they are. Um, and no matter what the heroes do, they're they're gonna kill some sheep. Uh, so um, over here, Mr. Paxson, you got any, any other thoughts or ideas for us on this topic I before did. I move to the next uh, next bit? I I did, but then I got. Uh kind of engrossed into uh, what Josh was saying, so I've completely <laughs> forgotten. Oh, no. And that's totally okay. Okay. Uh, ah, shucks. I wonder if I can remember it real quick. Um, oh, yeah, we were talking about uh, uh, when you uh, have done everything right and it still resulted in failure. Um, so I am kind of under the impression that uh, if you're doing everything right, that uh like everything you never make one mistake then uh you know it's perfect which <laughs> doesn't exist right yeah uh, true, true so i think during the deconstruction process you'd be able to find some little piece of value in there to learn from because if you're not making mistakes you are not learning you know that's a well-known fact that everyone can attest to that if you're not if you're not doing mistakes you're doing it wrong you know <laughs> Yep. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on that. Is no, I don't have an example of a time I did it perfect because that doesn't exist for me. Okay. I mean, that's that's a hundred percent fair. Uh, I think that's a valid point. You know, uh, there's a there's a video game adage that's uh, you know you're going the right direction if you're fighting enemies. <laughs> uh, right. And sometimes that's the the case with both storytelling and a business itself. I mean, if there's people in your way, you're probably doing the right thing. Um, somewhere, you know, not always. Haters are a measure of success. Yeah. Every every time we get a bot on the uh, Twitch that's like, "Hey, come come do this thing with us," we pit it because it makes us giggle. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> another good example of like doing everything right, at least like in in an actual sense of it, because I like there's probably a couple small things like he he was saying that I could have done better with, like especially like the sheep situation, but like. If you're just using like a piece of equipment that like you didn't know had a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe it was like manufactured. It, maybe it was somebody else's fault that it failed. 
right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that's not your fault um, at all. That's not what I was saying is anything was your fault. Sorry if you took it that way. Um, yeah, you're right. Just things are inevitable, right? Yeah, like so, like some sometimes it's like it, it might not be necessarily your fault, but it can be like somebody else's or just the situation at hand, you know. Um, but you can still use that, and and that's where a lot of people miss it. I think, guys, is that that you can use that failure of somebody else, and you can accept that blame and have uh, what Jocko Willenke would call extreme ownership where you know it's not your fault. And there, it's a flat fact that it's not your fault, but you still reflect on it that way. So you have that opportunity to grow from somebody else's failure even. And if you if you stretch the up, upward limits of that in your day-to-day life, then then there's no upward limits to how much you can grow and learn from failures, even just ones that are around you. And, Absolutely, man. I'm and a, that's really I'm, I'm tapping the, into the mojo. You know what I'm saying? Is like yeah. uh, I'm the last of five brothers, bro. And so, like, I saw all of their mess ups. You know, <laughs> well, not all of them, but like a lot. I saw a yeah, lot of mess ups. If you see them piss on an electric fence and get shocked, you know not to go over there and piss <laughs> on that electric <laughs> fence, right? Yeah, I grew up on a farm too, brother. I know, you know, kind of what's <laughs> going on there. So. Yeah, and to kind of touch on that, there might be multiple uh, multiple benefits to making a mistake. Like, uh, sentiment started as uh, "What's yeah. my tone?" What's my tone? dot com. Well, I didn't really like that name, but I already bought it, and I'm already using it, so we moved it to sentiment. dot com. Right. So now it's the benefit is we learned I don't like that name. I need to not jump to conclusions here. That's benefit one, right? And then benefit two is. Uh, now I have two kind of cool names that I like. So, awesome. hey, um, we well, got the... a business asset, asset, you know. Yeah, Lawrence, you sound like you got something for us on that topic of doing everything right and still, still failing. And the, the topic of the tornado, my hometown, Asta Tracks, all destroyed by, by a tornado, right? Cleanup crews came in and volunteers came in from everywhere and they did it for free. They came in, they were cleaning everything up. They thought they were doing their best. They were, they were doing what they intended to be good. And while they were cleaning up the debris, they were bulldozing what was left of people's houses and stuff. And none of them stopped. They just kept going. They just kept going without sleep, doing the best that they could, right? But some of these property owners did not have a chance for their insurance companies to come in and assess the damage. So they're, they're left with a flattened property with nothing on it, with no home and nothing to claim on their insurance they had paid for for years. And that's not the cleanup crew's fault, but it kind of sort of is. So there's a lot of bickering online about Whatever oh, you want, they had, my opinion, <laughs> insurance better pay for all of it because it's all gone. <laughs> I think <laughs> and, the, and the homeowner did not sign off on it. I assume. No, it was the now? the city was scrambling to do whatever they could, and people were volunteering from everywhere. There was license plates from all over, like three states over, just coming over just to help. It made the national news and all that stuff. But they did everything they could, and they did 
everything that they thought was right, and there were still failures in the end. Well, I think the Joker from Batman says it best, is that you either die the villain or live or die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And a circumstance like that, unfortunately, I feel like is a case of maybe good intentions intending to be a hero with consequences that end like a villain, right? Well, I mean, and, and that's a that's a super strong narrative narrative point that you can use as well. You know, uh, heroes yep. are full of great intentions, but sometimes the fallout is worse than what they intended. Right. Yeah, they say uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, Absolutely. but <laughs> along along that note, like most quote unquote bad guys don't view themselves as the bad guys either. No. You know. Like, sometimes it's just being on the opposite side of a border, you know, Um, other time, but most of the time they think that they're on a just cause, at least. Most people, unless it's in a fantasy setting, don't just do the evil for evil's sake. Um, At least that's the hope, guys. But. Yeah, I said I said most of the time. (laughs) Well, the most of the evil in the world is is really born out of uh, uh, a mindset or or reality of lack, right? So, where you find the most crime is where there's the least amount of resources, and that's true anywhere across the world. So, it's like same thing in this context. Isn't a whole lot of resources and stuff going on when a tornado blows through and destroys an entire city. And so that creates a breeding ground for the type of environment that is ripe for um, a villain scenario. And sometimes that's unintentional, as it was in, in your example, Lawrence. But, but it doesn't, you can't ignore the fact that, as you said, those people had paid on their homes for decades and now they have. Uh, no proof for the insurance company and and the people who had those good intentions have actually done quite a bit of damage so right uh, you know uh they they would have done it they would have done it again but maybe not with the knowledge uh uh, they would have done a little bit different if they had the knowledge of how they were going to be negatively affecting people right and as all these like care services and stuff leave and all these workers leave they're also going to leave a gap in the economy where they came and spent their money here. And then they're just going to leave with all that money. And then all these people without homes and in some cases jobs, because there was some businesses destroyed too. Um, I'm not looking forward to the fallout. I mean, it's one town over. It's not my town. It's my old hometown, but still. It's still your community. Right. Exactly. All right. General, I'm gonna I'm gonna refocus this one last time because we're we're running running up short here. So before we get to our last minute plugs, I'm gonna open the room up for like last minute thoughts on using failures in a positive way for driving stories forward, uh, whether in real life or while you're playing games. Uh, one point that I didn't really get to touch on uh, that I want to go over really quick myself uh, is uh, using your uh, failures right to uh, modify. Uh, good scenarios, right? Or, or amplify later successes, right? Because they've had a failure in the past, they're able to get a better result in the future. Um, and we've kind of talked about that as a as a as a group where you know we're learning consistently and all that fun stuff. So maybe having a critical failure at one point, whether it's an actual role or a you know you know 
roll that didn't go right, having the next like success come from it, whether they're doing the same check or something similar, uh, you could augment it and make it even stronger because they've learned something about it. Um, I feel like I had another one, but I've lost it, so I'm going to leave it up to the rest of the room. Uh, I'm actually going to start with Lawrence and then do reverse order this time. So, Lawrence, last thoughts. Last thoughts on failure. Um, it, you could have the party fight the, the big bad evil guy early on and lose, but they'll learn his patterns and his Classic. abilities and just have him laugh it off and set him free. And when they come back next time, they'll be prepared. They'll have knowledge. They'll have the experience and they'll know what to expect. Nice. Jumping over to Rye Guy, a.k.a. Younger. Okay. Um, another quick note is that we kind of barely touched up on it, but it was like a lot of like a lot of the failures aren't just like instant death. You know, like sometimes a failure could be like things don't like if it's just a regular failure, things just don't go quite as planned. You know, like it just might it might not be as structurally sound if you built something, whatever it may be. You know, um, you might lose an opportunity if like you're trying to like just like persuade somebody. Or you might just lose out on like certain opportunities that might have arisen if you had done better on your check. Um, you might just be in a worse position overall of like, oh, maybe you would have had like an additional advantage um, if you had done this better. Um, of course, you can always go into like people getting hurt, and it doesn't have to be like fatal where like they drown or like their their heart explodes, you know. <laughs> Um, it could just be like, it could, it could be anything from like, you know, they, they go and they fall a little bit and they take some extra fall damage. They suffer a level of exhaustion. Um, you lower an ability score for X amount of time, you know, due to an injury, you know, or they could like break a leg, you know, I, in a campaign that I'm running on the side to help like teach some like new younger players the, that are like a friend's family. Um, like they're all like first time players except one of them. And so I'm using failures, um, including like death saves. Like I would, I would say if you get to the point of death saves and stuff, like I, I'd say that's, that's a failure, um, in everything. And so basically one of these characters, you know, got, uh, got bit up by some spiders and dragged up in a web. And then a dragonborn player decided while the character is at zero HP, and tied up that they were going to breathe fire on them and then burnt them to crispy bits. And like, they were lucky to have succeeded at their, like on their saving throws. But like uh, at the very end, we got a healer there in enough time, but it was like at the point he had had X amount of damage and so on and so forth. And then we ended up the next session having a whole ordeal where basically an adventurer's guild was like, Hey, um, you conducted yourself recklessly and you severely burnt one of your party members and he basically wants to file a court case against you. Goofy. And role played a whole session like that. And then it just taught those new players like, you know, to like be careful about like what what you do on the on the battlefield with like be cognizant of the other players and stuff like that. It's a, it's a solid lesson to go through. I mean, especially because then you get to do the narrative fun roleplay stuff of, hey, this failure led to court case, which is a completely different genre, uh, more or less. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, now now the player has to pay for the medical bills of another player, essentially, by forfeiting, like, a fourth of the, like, 
individual games at the guild hall or whatever until he pays off 162 gold pieces. I like that. All right, uh, jump, jumping over, Mr. Paxton. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Final, Final thoughts. thoughts. Uh, um, so, uh, been referred to in this call as the business guy. I just want to be clear. I am a gamer at heart. That is, that's where I come from. <laughs> Um, I just do business because it's a lot of fun, and I love being an entrepreneur. I was going to say, you did, I was surprised you didn't mention uh, EVE Online at all. Uh, that's how we were talking the other day. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was going with this, actually. I wanted to point out that uh, I feel like uh, I, I'm huge in MMORPGs. Massive, that's my thing. Um, to I mean, this all started way back in OG RuneScape and EverQuest days, so I um, definitely have played pretty much every MMO that exists. Um, <clears throat> but uh, one thing that I have learned through my uh, tenure playing uh, RPG-based games is uh, through these failures that I've experienced, I've realized certain things about myself, like I am not a healer in any game. So I played <laughs> uh, EVE a lot. For about 10 years, I played it a lot. And uh, I never once flew a Guardian. I could, but I never did. That's a healing spaceship. Um, and Final Fantasy XIV, I'm a, uh, I'm a Dark Knight, which is a tank. I've always been a brawler, and it's because of the mistakes and the, the experiences of failure inside of healing, and uh, I guess DPS is okay, but I don't like being uh, <laughs> super flimsy. But um, uh, I don't like squishy, squishy characters at all. But um, like that, those experiences have kind of formed me as a player and um i know like in, in more role play situations that's not really how it works you kind of as the game progresses your your player is coming into their uh into themselves and learning what they're comfortable with right but um i do know don't be afraid to let failure kind of shape you as a player outside of the game you know where, where you're more comfortable doing this or that and um, for me, I just enjoy being a tank and, and maybe dealing moderate damage. But other people, they probably love healing. So uh, that's where I come from as far as uh, this tabletop stuff and this uh, RPG scene. Nice. I mean, that's a totally valid way to be like, I sucked as a one time as a paladin. I ain't ever playing that class again. That's okay. You don't have to. You know what I mean? You know you don't like that. Cool beans. Yeah, that's that's good thoughts. I like that. All right, and last but not least, Mr. Perry. Yeah, so um, I have, because I have so many entrepreneurial ventures going on at pretty much any given time, and 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 kind of my motto even is do more big shit, right? It it I have people that constantly ask me like when is enough going to be enough or what is the goal or stuff like that. And, and a lot of times what people don't understand is that I, my mindset comes from having been in a position where I was, I was faced with drawing my last breath. Literally I've had a lung surgery. So um, every, every breath and every moment that I get from that, from, from then to now is just a, a gift, right? And it's something to be grateful for. And I say all that to say that that people think they're asking me, why are you working so hard? When really what they're asking me is, 
why are you playing so much? Because I really look at at everything I do as far as entrepreneurial ventures and stuff like that as as kind of my own little play in a game in a way. Um, and and it's got to be fun for me to play that game. And and I go to this place down the street with my kids. I got three boys and we go to Arcadia and it's got all these 1990s and late 80s uh, video games that got nothing but a stick and two buttons in a lot of case. And it's horrible 8-bit graphics and you know what I mean? Just the whole the whole classic thing. And it really, for me, is a lot of how I live my life in each of my entrepreneurial ventures. It's it's simply an accounting team, a sales team, and an operations team all the time that I'm jumping in something with and, and the idea, right? So a concept, a stick and a joystick and two buttons, you know what I mean? Is is how I approach it a lot of times. And it just makes life really enjoyable and and it makes helping other people with their life and looking at their life as a bit of enjoyment rather than and, and participating in a game like we're talking about here rather than going to work nine to five every day or or having to be in somebody else's cubicle that that you're you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you got to go out for what you're passionate about. I totally agree. And you just remind me of the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, the role play area, right? The TTRPG is a safe place to fail, right? Uh, and that's something you can emphasize as both a player and a DM or GM. Uh, this is a place where failure is not going to hurt you, right? Your character losing an arm or a limb or all their money or stuff like that isn't going to actually hurt the person. So it is a safe place to experiment with things that might go wrong, right? It's okay to fail because no one's actually getting hurt. Uh, so don't be afraid to impose it on people as long as you do it in a tactical way, especially as a DMGM. Thank you. Totally reminded me of that. All right. And to wrap this up, um, we're going to do it the opposite order that we did before. So we're going to start with Michael. Michael, is there any like contact information or anything else that you want to share with people so they can find your stuff? Uh, obviously, I will try to make sure I have the appropriate links uh, in the descriptions of the podcast. But other than that, anything you want to talk about? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, if you want to contact me directly and chat with me or something, find me on Discord, uh, 20, uh, 20inchgaming.com slash Discord. <coughs> that will put you into my gaming community. Totally open guy. I'll, I'll chat with just about anybody. Um, if you're trying to uh, take a look at uh, sentiment and learn more, uh, I would recommend going through... Uh, uh, what's my tone.com here in the next few days I will um, be launching our rebranding or our version two or whatever the sentiment that I've been referring to that's sentim uh, dot com. and uh, right now I'll just take you to like a GoDaddy landing page but um, yeah I mean that's best ways if you're interested in working with me that's how you do it otherwise go to 20inchgaming.com slash discord and uh have a conversation with Keita Maximus. I'll be there. I have another server to acquire now. Wah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> and last but not least, Josh, uh, go ahead and contact information or anything. People can get a hold of you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so if you want to, if you drive a vehicle and you want to know a little bit about your budget for said vehicle, especially interstate, um, lanehero.net is where you can, 
there's a download there. It's on Google Play as well as Apple. Um, we have a seven-day free trial that we're offering right now, and it's just $20 a month after that. Um, you could also send an email to info at lanehero.net. Or uh, I also run an entertainment company, and you can reach me for any kind of bookings for uh, artists as big as Juicy J, like we had last week at Josh Perry at GreekFormals.com. And we can book all across the country. You can also look for us com- upcoming on the Startup Junkie podcast. Uh, they're a great entrepreneurial organization here in Northwest Arkansas. And, uh, of course, we have the block season eight being released sometime this summer with all, you know, fellow former blocks members on here. I definitely want to give the blocks a plug as well. Uh, great things that they're doing in Kansas city. So yeah, we get, we gotta get you, uh, if you do, if you're doing shows and stuff, we gotta get you up to the Fairbanks, man. We need, we need some concerts bad. Uh, yeah. I'll talk. I'll talk to you about that offline. Uh, but sure. if you guys will stick around for after the music, uh, one last plug from us or two last plugs from us. Obviously, for those of you that've been listening this whole time, thank you so much. Uh, our code for this month is still lucky nine oh seven. Uh, so put that in, you get ten percent off of the website on everything but Wizards Tea and uh, the stuff that we don't make ourselves. Uh, let's see what else? Oh, and then I'm gonna throw it up on the screen here. Uh, but the Book of Conflict, one of our friends from RP Craft uh, Publishing, uh, or sorry, yeah, is uh, got a new book out there, and uh, it's going to be Book of Conflict. It's in the pre-phases of its Kickstarter, so if you guys want to go there and follow it, we got a fun little link. I'll be sure to uh, put it into the description, uh, but in all the basicness of it, they have a whole bunch of stuff there into it, but it's all about expanding goblinoid lore, so orcs. Half orcs, hobgoblins, goblins. They're adding a whole bunch of classes, spells, mechanics. Uh, it's five E compatible, uh, and they've been talking about maybe throwing something else in there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring it up because it's not my thing. Uh, but uh, when they do give it an official go ahead, I will be happy to talk about. It. But let's just say it's super excited. I can't wait for it to come out again. I get a thing on the screen, uh, and it'll be in the description afterwards. Um, thank you guys so much. And if you two will stick around after the music, we'll uh, do some talking. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. everything we got for tonight again please check out these wonderful star guests that we had on tonight uh, their stuff is going to be in the descriptions all that fun stuff uh with adventure in mind have a wonderful night